Have no fear of missing out. The show's about FOMO. Your host is Brian Franzo. I'll tell you what you don't know. And now, your host, iSocial Fans. Welcome back to another episode of FOMO Fans. My name is Brian Fanzo, better known as iSocial Fans, and you're tuning in to part one of four. Part one of four around translating the geek speak. I'm going to do that here in November. I'm kind of taking a different uh, tone on November for our different episodes. This is episode 54 of the FOMO Fans podcast. And as I set up on the last episode, I'm a big geek. I love studying and really understanding where, where the emerging technologies are going, how everything is kind of being enabled. And for me, this is exciting. This is an important uh, topic. But I'm a big believer in you want to you focus on where your business is today while listening and understanding where things are going tomorrow. And so what my goal is on this show, the FOMO Fan Show, is to cure your fear of missing out. I don't want you to, to fear missing out. I want you to be excited about the future and then strategically make the decisions that are best for you and your business moving forward. And so this topic, today's episode, is on artificial intelligence. And now you've heard the, the term thrown around all over the place. You might have heard things like machine learning or, or deep learning or cognitive computing or you know maybe you're when you picture uh, artificial intelligence, you start thinking about Star Wars or uh, Robocop for for the, for all intents and purposes. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna break down where robotics fits into this. I'm gonna break down some examples. I'm gonna talk about how Amazon is using uh, AI. I'm gonna talk about how Google is using AI. I'm gonna talk about you know is the is AI gonna take over the world? Is it gonna replace all of our jobs? Or is AI going to enable us to do new jobs? I'm going to try to cover all of that. And like I said, my goal here isn't to go super geeky, super in-depth, but rather to talk about it in a way that you understand when people say AI, you can not only picture what the technology is, but you can start thinking about the use cases. So before we get into that use cases and before we get into any of the other pieces, I want to kind of talk about AI as in general. And when you first think about artificial intelligence, I'm curious for those that are watching live as well as those that are watching uh, on the podcast or listening on the podcast, do you feel like you use artificial intelligence in your daily life? Is artificial intelligence you know, being used in what you're doing every single day? And now I'll let you think about that for a second. You might be like, well, you know, in my industry, probably not. You know, I, don't, I don't work in a, you know, a tech industry. If you, you, if you have email, if right now if you are using email, let's say you're using Gmail, and in Gmail you have the spam filter turned on, the spam filter so that it actually can calculate and determine if an email is spam or if an email is meant to be sent to you. Technically, the email spam filter is artificial intelligence. So I will challenge and say we've been using artificial intelligence for a long while. What if you have a Nest, one of the Nest uh, thermostats? You know, that thermostat is actually able to understand the trends, when you come home, when you leave, how often you change the temperature. Maybe you like it really cold in the morning and really you know, a lot warmer at night. It's able to actually learn over time what, 
how you like to control your thermostat in, in, the, in the world that's out there today. And then ultimately, uh, it learns with you. And so what I want to kind of break this down and kind of walk through artificial intelligence is most of the time when we're talking about artificial intelligence and we're using that, that, that terminology, we're talking about extreme super intelligence. You, heard, uh, you might have heard Elon Musk talked about him being worried that artificial intelligence can take over the world. Well, that's something called super intelligence, and I'm going to break down to you the different types of artificial intelligence. But basic, the, the native natural artificial intelligence that most of us are, are kind of opened our minds to today is, is a singular task. So let me break this down for you. AI today, artificial intelligence today, you can build a, a let's say Watson by IBM, and that Watson was ver the very best computer at Jeopardy, and it was able to learn and understand how to beat every the Jeopardy champion based on using you know cognitive computing, which means it learns from the human behavior. So the more human behavior, the more times you use a technology that is AI enabled the smarter the technology gets. Now the caveat to that is we should be smarter as well. But here's the thing that's, that is singularity around what AI is. When, when Watson, you know, uh, on Jeopardy, it won Jeopardy. That was a singular attack. Watson was built at the time for that singular motion, right? But it, it's not able to solve other problems. So today when you're thinking about AI, most AI is built for a, to solve one problem and one problem only. Therefore, AI isn't going to all of a sudden take over the world because AI at this point is there to build, you know, so the email spam filter is not all of a sudden going to help you automate your home, right? That AI spam filter was actually built within your Gmail solution to filter your email. And it's, what it does is, think of it this way. Every time you say, ooh, that's spam, it looks at the characteristics of that email and says, what about that email is similar to other spam in the spam folder so that I, I can actually start moving things in the spam so we as the humans don't have to interact with it. So this is, this is one of those things that you, you have to start putting this in context because the more we train AI, the more data that we supply it, the more that we are integrating ourselves with AI as a whole, the smarter AI gets in most cases. Now, we've all probably talked to Siri, right? Siri on our iPhone. And, you know, it's kind of a big running joke that when you ask Siri to do something, Siri, for the most part, doesn't, you know, you know doesn't do exactly what you asked it to do. And, you know, Alexa, which my Alexa is in the other room right now, um, Alexa is at a different level, right? Alexa seems to be a little bit more conversationalized, but it doesn't actually learn with my habits because for me, every morning when I wake up, I have the same routine. I wanted to, I wanted to play my technology news brief. I wanted to play my favorite couple songs. Now I can program that. I can set it up as tasks. But if this was actually native AI within Amazon Echo, it would actually be able to learn, wow, for 10 straight days, Brian has done these four things in a row. We should start kind of building these habits in there to enable that for Brian. So when you think about Siri, you think about uh, you know, Amazon, Siri is really a personalized voice software that is powered by AI on the back end. So the data and the compute behind Siri is actually artificial intelligence. But what Siri is as a whole, or what it is technically, is your, your traditional just voice personalization. So right now there's three 
times, uh, there's three things, three different categories of artificial intelligence. You have artificial narrow intelligence, you have artificial general intelligence or artificial general intelligence, and then artificial super intelligence. So super intelligence is when the machines, the, the, when AI is actually smarter than the human brain. And we're not at that point yet. We're not at that point. That, that's at least 10 to 20 years out from now. And I'm not going to kind of break into that side. But one of the things we have to kind of think about is most people lump in with AI everything under the sun. But AI today, we're only, we're only really leveraging one of those characters, which is character categories, which is artificial narrow intelligence, right? Artificial narrow intelligence. So ANI is technically what we're using today. And so we're already running that. You know, for me, one of my favorite apps is Waze. I don't know how many of you guys are using Waze. Maybe you're using Waze right now in your car and you're listening to this podcast on Spotify, which is cool news for us here at FOMO fans. We are now going to be listed in Spotify. So this will be the first episode that will be part of the Spotify player. So hopefully if you are listening there on Spotify, share that out with your friends. Let them know that you can now listen to the FOMO fans podcast on Spotify. But Waze, Waze is one of those things that the more people change and add and gives it thumbs up or thumbs down, the more times I take a certain route. Like for me, when I'm going to pick up my daughters at their school, when I take that route over and over again, all of a sudden when I say suggested route, it's going to realize that even though this one route might be slower, it's my preferred route. And so it's now going to prioritize that route for me every time I use it. So start thinking about this, right? This is, this is also comes into basic things like, you know, when you go to your Amazon website and all of a sudden you go to Facebook and you see the, the, the retargeted ad on the right-hand side, that's using artificial intelligence. It's, lev it's leveraging all of the data that it has about you to serve you up with something that's personalized and customized. So that's, that's kind of where this all kind of comes together. So th this is where we have to kind of break down not only what AI is, but where we're kind of moving with this piece. Because... The cool thing about artificial intelligence is it can do some very high compute tasks that we as humans might take a long time to actually accomplish. Because, you know, they're, they're, you know everybody calls this a smartphone, but it's really not smart. For the most part, it's just kind of a dumb phone. It's, uh, it's a dumb phone that, that, that can, you know, contains a whole lot of our, our apps inside of it. But one of the things that I want you to start to think about around AI, and this is something that is kind of cool to think about, if you want to have artificial intelligence do calculus or financial market strategy or language translation, these are all things that are extremely easy for artificial intelligence because it has a compute, it can, act, it can understand the formula, and it's something that's repeatable. But things like vision or motion or movement, you know, think about it this way. This is one of the great examples. For a computer to be as smart as a brain, one of the hard things for, for a computer to, to actually simulate would be taking their hand, taking a human's hand, grabbing something, and going up and drinking it. Because let's, let's think about how many things are involved, right? You have your shoulder. You have your muscles. You have the blood going to your fingers. You have the muscles going to your, to, to your, your fingers. You now have the range of motion that is now bringing it to your face. That means your brain knows where your face is in relative to the, your hand, in relative to you drinking the drink. And so these are things where AI cannot actually – this is where AI struggles because the human brain is a powerful thing. The human brain is without question the, – you know, the, the, it's the mystery amongst all things when it comes to how can computers be as smart 
as the human brain. So when we start breaking this down, I, I found a really cool stat. And so in 2016, um, Google's AI, Google's artificial intelligence, they actually put Google's AI, which is one of the biggest and most invested AIs that there is out there, um, for an IQ score, right? Put it into a high, an IQ score. And the IQ of Google's AI is 47.28. Now, I have a seven-year-old daughter and a six-year-old daughter. The average six-year-old, the IQ of an average six-year-old is 55.5. Therefore, if you take a step back and you think about this, Google's AI, which is one of the most heavily invested in AIs of all, of all the, the big technology brands, is not as smart as a sixth grader. And then let's also put this in context. The average 18-year-old has an IQ of 97. Therefore, the, the, the artificial intelligence that Google is building today, right now that they're leveraging to do their semi-cool data centers and all of the technology that they're having it automate, is half as smart as an 18-year-old. And the reason I want to explain that is because I've, I believe we have this fear of the unknown. We have the fear of, uh, of what's out there. And I see a couple of people on the live video saying, well, my 18-year-old isn't nearly that smart. I would actually argue that my 7-year-old probably has a higher IQ than I do. My 7-year-old my is, is crazy smart at a whole different level. But when you start thinking about these things, Google's AI has an IQ that's less than a six-year-old. So we, we don't want to get overwhelmed by all of a sudden thinking that, you know, Google's AI is going to take over the world. And I'm going to talk a little bit about Google. I'm going to talk a little bit about Amazon. I'm going to break down a couple of these artificial intelligence for you because Google bought a company called DeepMind. And DeepMind is an AI software that really is focused for Google for real-time business value, lowering the cooling costs of its data centers. And this is pretty cool. I, I worked in a data center uh, in Phoenix, Arizona. And when Google implemented artificial intelligence to better understand the cooling needs of its data center, they were actually able to save costs by 40%. Let me say that again. They got a 40% savings by integrating artificial intelligence inside of their data center so they could better understand the cooling of their data center. Because I, I worked in a data center. For the longest time, you just pumped in as much cooling as you possibly could into a giant room that had to be at a certain temperature. Well, what Google's AI was able to do was able to, to understand when computers were, were, were maxed out, when computers were lower, the, the optimal times that the temperature had to be at a certain level. It also started to learn how long it took to cool during certain temperatures. Because traditional, you know, when you say, hey, set my thermostat to 72, it just keeps blowing cold air until it hits 72 degrees. Well, if artificial intelligence is able to take into account the humidity in your house, it's to take into account the amount of sunlight coming through the windows, it's able to take into account the amount of humans that are in the room that are giving off their own body heat. All of a sudden now, AI, like it's doing for Google, is able to optimize and really do things that we would have never imagined before. And so this, to me, is something that's truly exciting. And Google uses their AI technology in a whole bunch of things. They use it inside of Gmail. They use it inside of Google Street View. They use it inside of your Google Photos. Has anyone, you know, when you, I love Google Photos. When you log on and you use Google Photos, it uses your metadata, it uses your location data, it uses face recognition. For me, it'll, it'll show, hey, um, hey, have you checked out your new album with all of uh, all the pictures for this month with your daughters in it? Well, you have to start thinking about it. How did it know those were my daughters? 
And how did it scan through all of those photos? I take a lot of photos, not just selfies. I take a lot of photos in general. So what AI is able to do is it's able to, when I mark something as like, this is my daughter, it now knows, okay, these are the characteristics of Brian's daughter. If we see this in other pictures, we're going to label this as Brian's daughter, and we're going to do it based on kind of real-time calculations. So we're kind of we, we're using this and we're exposed to it on a daily basis. Google Translate is another one that Google uses artificial intelligence in. So right now, Google is all in on, on AI. And remember, Google is the number one search engine. They own the number two search engine, which is YouTube. And the CEO of Google recently came out and said, we are a AI first company. So I, always, I like to say, you know, when, when you pay attention to the big dogs, if you see what Google's doing, you see what Facebook's doing, you see what Amazon's doing, you see what, you know, uh, Elon Musk is doing, when you look at these giant companies, the reason they're investing in AI and the reason they, they look at AI is AI is the future. It's going to transform and disrupt our world like we've never seen before. And Google is now calling themselves a Google, uh, a AI first company, which is kind of exciting to see. Amazon, another example of artificial intelligence. They use all of their product recommendation engines are all based on artificial intelligence. Let's, that, let's unpack that for a second. Think about it when you go to Amazon.com and you're scrolling down and you click on a, on a product that you want and all of a sudden it gives you a list of recommended products. Now, if, is that recommended product list the same every single day? Is it the same depending on the user that's actually looking at it? Is it the same at all these different levels? And the answer is no. What it's actually doing is it's, it's able to learn. It's able to calculate. It's able to understand your habits. Hey, someone that's looked at this, you know, this is a good one for me, right? Someone that's looked at a backup battery pack and a tripod for a, a, a camera, when they're looking at that tripod or camera and they've also looked at a battery pack, that we should suggest one of these products because other people who have done the exact same thing have bought these products. And it's doing it for us, all of that, in real time. It's doing that and serving it up millions and millions of, of, of those kinds of transactions and interactions every minute. And so AI is doing some amazing things in the Amazon space. Of course, we have the Amazon Echo speakers. We have the very first AI convenience store. I don't know if you guys heard about this, but Amazon is you know, having the convenience store where you could actually go in without having to go register anything. As long as you have the app on your phone, you can take things off the shelf, put them into your bags. And when you walk out the door, it'll, it'll charge you based on what you have in your bag. Well, it's able to understand what you have in the bag. It's under, able to understand the association between you and the proximity to your bag. These are all things that are powered by artificial intelligence. Another one, you know, when we look at it is Apple. You know, Apple, I'm a big Apple fanboy, of course. That's why my company's name is iSocialFans. The lowercase i is because I'm an Apple fanboy. But what a, what uh, Apple is using is absolute, Apple's actually using deep learning technology to power their Siri. Another one that, that you might be thinking about now that you probably haven't realized is artificial intelligence is when you're typing on your, on your uh, Apple device right now, and let's say you just practice typing the word, uh, let's try poop. <laughs> yeah, typing the word poop into your uh, text message. And guess what it's going to do? It's going to turn orange, and all of a sudden underneath there, it's going to prompt you and say, this is the poop emoji. 
Well, the funny thing about that is that it's using learning technology to understand what you're typing and what emojis are, are uh, corresponding with that. Now, the poop association is pretty easy, right? But what about if you use the words happy and you use the words excited and you use the words um, elated? If you're using these words, what it's going to start to understand is if you're using the words and you're, and you're associating that with a certain emoji, it's now going to do the association with that and it's going to start suggesting the, the smiley face emoji for more words than just smile. And this is where this artificial intelligence really gets exciting. Now, one of the things that, that Apple is doing differently than, than Google and Amazon and a lot of the other companies is Apple is really taking a big emphasis on privacy. And they're focused really hard on not allowing uh, people to understand their research and a lot of the backbone behind their AI because they're not contributing to the open source efforts that a majority of these companies are. Now, I'm not going to get into that battle. I'm a big pro open source person. I believe if we're able to collaborate, we're able to share our source code, and we're able to push things out there publicly, that together we will innovate faster, we will learn from each other, um, and there's enough proprietary information for us to still be in business and still be competitors. But uh, Apple is one that's kind of not contributing. And then the last example I want to use is Facebook. You know, Facebook, hashtag in Zuck we trust. Um, in 2013, they actually set up an AI research lab. So all the way back in 2013, they set up an artificial intelligence research lab, and they've been publishing research papers and different hardware optimizations within their, their data centers, within their compute, so that they can optimize the amount of hardware they're using, the amount of spend they're using. And they're also doing using AI to rank your posts in your news feed. Wait, there we go again. So when I started off this podcast, I asked everybody, I said, how many of you believe that you're using artificial intelligence today? Well, you are. If you're, if you're, using, if you're inside of Facebook and you get really frustrated because uh, Facebook's not serving you up the content that you want, here's what I tell you you're not teaching the artificial intelligence correctly. So if you, if you like certain companies or certain people's posts, if you hit like on those posts, they'll start showing you more of those. If you hit unfollow or you stop liking posts from companies that you don't like, guess what it's going to do? It's going to realize, ooh, Brian doesn't like that content anymore. Let's start serving him up some of the content that he does engage with. This is all artificial intelligence. This is all components of it naturally learning my behaviors to give me a personalized experience. And so Mark Zuckerberg is all in with artificial intelligence, AR and VR. And actually a lot of what he's talking about in, art in AR and VR, which is augmented reality and virtual reality, are truly all powered by artificial intelligence. And, and this might sound like space age and it might sound crazy, but I want you guys to, to, to think about this for a second. It, artificial intelligence, the phrase, the, the, the terminology, was actually coined in 1956 by a Dartmouth professor. So if when I'm talking about this, if this sounds like kind of crazy to you guys and you're thinking, holy crap, like, you know, what is AI and how is it going to impact my lives? Imagine what people thought in 1956 when all of a sudden he was, when, when the Dartmouth professor said computers are going to start to be able to learn from us and start to be able to learn from different people as they go. Now, the Dartmouth professor was the very first one to implement the actual, uh, the, the integration of what he called understanding every aspect of learning. And so this was something that kind of was coined in 1956. 
on my other podcast, I interviewed someone that was actually majored in artificial intelligence in 1995. And so this isn't brand new concept, just we're finally getting to a point now where our computers, our internet, our speed, and the amount of data available allows these kind of things to happen, right? So these are all things that we're, we're truly getting, you know, they've, they've been working on AI for a long time. And so what I want to kind of bring this full circle on is you're going to hear also to hear terms like machine learning, right? So the difference between artificial intelligence and machine learning, machine learning is us, we, we teach a machine to do a task. Therefore, we feed it data, we give it predictions, and it actually learns based on all of that new data. Now, the, the difference between that and what artificial intelligence is, is artificial intelligence is allowing the machine to select data and also survey big pools of data and decide what is important. So the, you know, when you think about machine learning, machine learning is a component of artificial intelligence. It's not something that's like, you know, it's not either or, but it's, it's, it's one of the levels of, of AI. And then the second one is deep learning. And so deep learning is more of a manual process where you need an engineer to kind of tweak and test and adjust the machine to better understand the data that things are kind of coming out there. And so this is more like mathematical type solutions where you're starting to understand that if you have an idea of all of the total variables, then you're able to better understand where these things are going. So, the, you know, the very first definition of artificial intelligence, and this is something that I thought was, you know, was pretty interesting, was John McCarthy, that professor at Dartmouth, said, every aspect of learning or any other feature of intelligence can, in principle, be precisely described that a machine can be made to simulate it. And so this is, this is one of those things where you're like, okay, what does that mean, right? So, you know, imagine a future where what if the machine's able to learn roads and learn um, how we how we the traffic patterns go we might be able to start ordering an uber or a lyft that have no drivers i mean i know, i heard today that that uber actually teamed up with uh, nasa to to start researching uh, the flying car which is a whole nother thing that's that's even more out there than artificial intelligence imagine atms being able to do use uh, facial recognition, be able to use sensor technology to where we wouldn't need bank tellers anymore because they would be able to verify your ID, they'd be able to create new user accounts, they'd actually even be able to give you a loan because you would supply the data and it would understand enough about you so that it would be able to prioritize if you should get a loan or not. So these are, these are things that are kind of exciting when it comes to artificial intelligence Excuse me, and where we're going. But one of the things that you have to kind of keep in mind is self-learning and growth. Where we're at today, the trajectory, and if you, you, if you think about it, Moore's Law. Moore's Law dictates that you know, uh, we actually double our computing power every two years. And the pace that we're going, we still have many years before we start getting artificial intelligence to think on its own and start doing some things that are, are kind of pushing the boundaries. But this is a space, and this is where we're kind of moving the needle to, is to say, hey, where are we going? What does this truly mean? And there's a long way before we go to machines that are processing cognitive functions like memory or planning or abstract reasoning. And I'm, let me phrase that again, right? 
There's, we have a long way before we get into a, a computer's ability to have memory, be able to plan like we do, right? Because these are all things that we take for granted. So when you hear people talking about jobs being replaced by artificial intelligence, that, that's going to happen. But a lot of those jobs that are going to be replaced, are there going to be jobs where we're, we're going to be placing kind of manual or repetitive tasks? And then it's going to give us more time to do things like strategize and add context like human emotion and, and being able to, to reason based on what's going on. And so this is where I kind of get excited about the future of artificial intelligence. You know, and, and one of the places that I, I found was, you know, one of the things that we could easily see be automated is a paper boy. You know, think about a, a newspaper. And for those millennials, a newspaper is this little, it's this paper that has printed news on it. I'm not sure if you guys are, are familiar with it. But, you know, the paper boy does the exact same route and drops the newspaper off at the same people's houses every single day. Well, when you think about it from an artificial intelligence perspective, this is a repetitive task that can be done over and over and over and over again. And the, the roads don't change, the traffic changes, the people change, but the, there's, not, there's not a whole lot of variables that are changing in the paperboy route to where this is a space where artificial intelligence could easily optimize that and we could start seeing a robot deliver the newspaper because it is something that is repetitive, it goes over and over again, and it's something that we can kind of move forward for. So I wanted to break down those kind of different aspects of AI. I wanted to talk a little bit about where AI is going because for me, artificial intelligence is going to replace the things that humans don't do better than computers. And we as humans are going to be able to spend more time doing things that we do better than computers. And so I look at AI as being able to optimize things that we never imagined. It's going to start, we're going to be able to answer questions that we never even knew we had, we had the ability to ask. And so this is where it's going. Hopefully you start to understand where AI exists. You know, it's in your email filter. It's in your, your map on your, on your phone when you go and use the phone over and over again, right? And as we see more AI integrated into our lives, we're going to have more personalized experiences. We're going to have things kind of roll into what we're doing. But the, the big piece about this and the big future of this is that, you know, when you hear the scare cases like, oh, my goodness, artificial intelligence is going to take over the world, I always like to put it in this way, right? No technology will fix stupid. No technology will stop stupid people or bad people from doing bad things. And if we gave the keys to a 14-year-old to a stealth bomber and we let them sit in a stealth bomber, they could do really bad things with that stealth bomber. If we gave artificial intelligence access to too much data or too much control or too many things, it could do bad things. But when we look at this balance, I believe artificial intelligence is going to enable us to have new jobs, new livelihood. It's going to increase our time doing the things that we love as humans, which in my opinion is things like love and things like doing social good and strategizing and working on different ways that we can collaborate. The future of technology is we start to remove the technology from the equation and we start to have more time to do what we as humans love to do. And so I'm excited for where art, uh, artificial intelligence is going to take us. Hopefully now you have a little better opinion or better thoughts on what AI is and where it's going. I will tell you, this is a little sneak peek, uh, in a couple of weeks I'm going to bring on a couple guests onto this podcast and they're going to talk about uh, 
uh, artificial intelligence and how they're using it within their companies. And so I have two guests lined up right now. I'll probably line up one more guest. We're going to have a, a really good discussion about AI and how it fits into our daily lives and the benefits to it. And also, I'm not a... Uh, I'm not only looking at one side of the fence. We have to look at the security around it. We have to look at understanding where certain levels of this is. But what I hope you understand and what you take away from this episode of FOMO Fans is that artificial intelligence is already being implemented. It's already being used. And we need to start looking at ways that we can better personalize our interactions with fellow humans. Because I, I'm one that, you know, in this world we live in, you know, this week alone, we've had enough bad news for a lifetime. And there's people getting killed and there's bad news and, and corruption and, and sexual harassment. And I'm a big believer in that if we can figure out ways to let technology kind of do the things that, that are down below, that will allow the great people in the world to spend more time doing great things, connecting with the great world around us, and hopefully we're able to make the world a better place. And I, I do firmly believe that. I am an optimist. I am someone that has, uh, loves technology, but I don't like technology for technology's sake. I like technology to do what I don't want to do so I can spend more time doing what I love to do. My name is Brian Fanzo, better known as iSocialFans. This was the first of four episodes focused on translating the geek speak. The next episode, you'll have to tune in for. We're going to talk a little bit about blockchain. We're going to talk a little bit about the future of Internet of Things and where our devices kind of fit in to uh, our technology future. I'm excited to see technology starting to you know, eliminate the need for some of this regulation and old policy that we have in the world. So that's my goal here. I love translating the Geek Speak. Hopefully you guys love listening to the show. If you could do me a favor, if you enjoy listening to this, uh, this FOMO Fans episode, leave me a review in iTunes or whatever your podcast uh, listening player is. Or better yet, better than a review, tell just one friend. If I could have, you know, we have thousands of listeners to every one of these episodes. If every one of you just tell one friend about this episode or this podcast, that's going to bring this episode, this show to one more person, and I would be internally grateful. Let's share the knowledge, let's translate the geek speak, and let's together help cure the fear of missing out of others so we can have more time having fun doing great things. My name is Brian Fanzo, better known as iSocialFans. Episode 54 is a wrap. Cheers. <laughs>